Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is episode 38 of the Inferno Suns podcast on Believe Network. I'm Dana Scott, beat writer for AZ Central, also Arizona Republic newspaper. I've been covering the Suns for a while. Our legendary co-host, Ced Zabalas, and the incomparable Dr. Patrick Patillo, a.k.a. Mr. Orange, who will not be wearing orange paint anymore, which was a headline on our publication, AZ Central, last week. So let's get it going, folks. The Suns, they ended up 2-4 and four after being beaten by the Philadelphia 76ers this afternoon. It was a morning game, or morning in the West Coast, but a day early day game. And the Suns were led by Kevin Durant, of course, 31 points. And he was taken out just shortly after the four-minute mark by Frank Vogel, who conceded the loss when they were down by 15. They didn't have the lead uh, for pretty much the entire game, dating back to the uh, middle of the first quarter. And the Suns are basically routed well, 112 to 100. This is their third straight loss after being beaten by Victor Wambayama and the San Antonio Spurs for two games in a row uh, in thir- Tuesday and Thursday in Phoenix. So let's start with Cedric. What is your takeaway with this three third straight loss after Devin Booker missed uh, today's game? Yeah, after our uh, for our last episode, our previous episode, we we thought about and we uh, made predictions on what they would be coming around to the home opener, uh, and um, you know I was kind of right on track. I, I just knew Golden State was going through some things, trying to figure some things out. Lakers too, as well. I knew they were still one of those wins, and they did. Uh, I just thought that it would be a little um, more activity from all three of the big three, uh, and it just seems doesn't seems to to be that way. Uh, but it doesn't seem, it, it doesn't look like it to me, fellas, that that, that problem is the big three. It, it's the, um, as Shaquille O'Neal says, the others. Uh, that's that's really bothering me right now. Uh, the, the You know, Frank is a, Frank Vogel is a, a defensive coach. His mentality is defense. That's how he's gotten his championship. That's how he's marked his career. Uh, he just happened to have very talented offensive players to go along with it. Uh, he has that here. I just think the role players are trying to help, so to speak. Uh, Devin, Kevin, and well, Bill hasn't been in there, but uh, to score instead of doing the dirty works, um, you know, the PJ Tuckers, uh, you know, the, the the work like that. That that's what needs to be done uh, because it seems on the offensive end of, of the opponents, uh, if, if there's a will, there's a way, and they're finding ways to to peek through the defense. And that's why the spreads have been going, uh, you know, 15, 20 points leads, and they haven't been able to uh, get back on it, uh, close that margin on the defensive end. They just get on fire from the three. They just get on fire from, you know, having very talented scores and and an aggressive uh, Devin Booker, and so to speak, and sometimes. But um, that's not going to get them a, a long way, especially in this Western Conference. Um, and then when you're dealing with another superstar today in Philly, uh, that that really is trying to prove, I don't know if he's going to be traded or not to the Knicks. There's rumors. 
But Joel is trying to prove not only that he's definitely should have won MVP last year, but he can be effective without, you know, James Harden or any other superstar that they're trying to, you know, um, mix and match him with and say he can't win without it. Patrick, your take on today's loss and third straight. Yeah, I I think mine today kind of just sums up what we've seen really last game, uh, this game, and then the end of, of the first game that we lost on Tuesday against San Antonio. And for me, it was like what the highlight was coming into, you know, the home opener, which was the effort. So the rebounding, the, uh, the energy, the just go out there and have that dog mentality kind of said was alluding to, and, and we lost that collectively. So it shouldn't matter who's on the floor, you know, who's, who's out there fighting. It's, you know, we started the game against San Antonio on Thursday and it was, you know, 13 to zero off the rip, but it was, they just wanted every loose ball that much more than we did. They were rotating that much faster. They had that much more energy. And, and we saw that in the opener, but that that's kind of gone away. And then today, again, you know, books out, they're going to blitz KD. They're going to send one, two, three, and they're going to try to make you prove the quote unquote others, as said, alluded to are going to have to beat you and and when that happens and a shot goes up and we have one guy down there attempting to rebound you know that that doesn't bode well and then when you miss uh, I can't even tell you how many layups and free throw shooting has been uh, poor all around. There's just a lot of areas to look at to where it's, you know, uh, and I'm not a fan that's panicking and you know fire Vogel and all the crazy things that you're already starting to hear. Um, I think not having Devin Booker obviously and Bradley Beal, there's going to be benefits to what this could pay down the road with uh, Frank Vogel figuring out who is going to step up and be, you know, that, that fifth starter long-term who is, who are they going to earn those uh, bench minutes when we are fully healthy, but then when we're in a crunch or there is an injury or we're in foul trouble, who is going to be confident and have those reps already and have built that chemistry that they'll be able to step in. And I think we're seeing some of that, but the part that gets me, uh, disappointed is the effort. Like, why are we, you know, half in, half out? Some of some of our guys that are on the floor are not giving their all, and th that is what's more concerning to me. Um, again, this game we were right there in it, you know, late with sh shooting horribly and missing, like I said, so many just point blank layups. And you still have opportunities in almost all these games. Even the game in San Antonio, we we're down twenty seven Thursday, came all the way back right there. So it, it's it, you're, you. Some of it needs time. I think Frank Vogel has a very tough, um, you know situation he's facing right now with who's in and who's out daily um but like i said the effort just has to be sustained there and and we have to just weather the storm and kind of navigate through this yeah i don't think the word is panicking uh devin booker he said before yesterday i mean for today's game he said yesterday he's not panicking but i think the word is fuming and now if i was two and four right Coming into the season, there's a lot riding high. People are going to look to this team to see how they fare through the first six games. And I would be, if I was injured and then my my new second best player, third best player, Bradley Beals, on the side with me, and and you're basically losing to a team like the Spurs. Granted, Wembyama is a great player. He's he, he hasn't proven himself totally yet, but I would be fuming going into Detroit and trying to get back. And I know Devin wants to play, but there's something to be said about the the, the lack of energy from the bench uh, and, and lack of scoring that people are just looking to. And I think this is also for it's it's becoming contagious because in that game on Thursday against San Antonio. 
Devin Booker started and Kevin Durant started, but they were deferring to their other guys. They weren't really looking to score much at first. It just seemed weird. Like, why are you deferring to guys and trying to be a distributor, a facilitator, when they're the guys who everybody's looking to to score? That's what you're here for. And, and that's why they got down so big. And so I, I just felt like it took them to basically start fuming and catching up in the second half or really the fourth quarter to say, you know, we're going to turn it on and really put it to the test right now to see where we can come back. And then they tied it at 111, you know, in the closing minutes until Wimbayama went off and scored 10 of their uh, Spurs 12 will run and then put it away. So, I mean, it just shows that if, if yeah, Bradley Beal's out and there's a concern there, but, I really feel like there's a concern also in dealing with pick and rolls. I, I want you guys' opinion on this. Should you consider, should Frank Vogel really consider starting Drew Banks over use of Nurkic? Drew Banks seems to me much more mobile. Their numbers are kind of similar, even though you, Nurkic plays a little bit more because he's a starter. But Nurk is having some troubles, and that was a concern coming into the trade with you know, for Aiton, that he's not really mobile on the perimeter. Eubanks seems to give it a little bit more. He, he's just as physical, if not more mobile. And, and Nurkic is is much more stationary after the injuries he's had. Eubanks had the better year last year uh, with the Blazers. And, and, you know, Nurkic seemed like he was kind of just settling for threes today instead of really trying to go inside and bang. And, and yeah, he had more points uh, than, than, than Eubanks. But Eubanks was a little bit more effective on both ends of the floor. And now that... I know you tried to, but uh, Vogel, Vogel tried to go big uh, starting Katie Bates Diop today instead of uh, Josh Kogi. And so I can see why. So if he's going to try a new iteration of the starting lineup, why not try Eubanks? What's your take on that, Sid? Well, with the big fella coming over from Portland, I, I, I don't think, you, you know, you got to work on his, the mental part of it too, as well. It, you know, you, you trade him for your first, your first round draft pick in Aiden. You, you know, to yeah. come off of the bench. Right. Emotionally, you don't want him to go through that. And I don't think the problem is the lineup. Okay. Um, you know, Patrick, you won't use it. Devin won't use it. And 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 Dana, you using fuel. I'ma use it. It's panic time. We talked about this at the beginning of the season. The first 10 games in the in the Western Conference is so very important because of the seedings. You you're gonna just it's you, when you fall behind. Because look, you know, I'm not disrespecting Utah, but the, Utah, and Minnesota, they might be the only teams at the bottom, and they are very dangerous. Those two teams are very dangerous. Sacramento's got it together. Obviously, we know Golden State, former champions, Lakers, LeBron, Clippers done made moves with Harden. I can go on and on with the Western Conference, and you can't goof around. And now you just got devastated by the team that's supposed to have been at the bottom, the Spurs. Wimbanyana's coming along pretty good. Uh, putting up Shaq-like numbers in his first 10 games is just great. Uh, but but when you go into Detroit, Detroit is trying to prove themselves too. So if you want to stay full, fueled, that's fine. I'm going into panic mode because this is not we're shooting a bad percentage. Um, and I say we like I'm playing, but I'm saying it's not like the Suns are shooting a bad percentage. It's not like the Suns or their stars are not showing up, the ones that are playing. When Devin's out there, he's doing his thing. When KD's out there, he's doing his thing. I'm sure when book um when when Bill comes along, he'll be doing his thing. Um it's 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 the little tangibles, like you said, the rebounding, 
the the turnovers. Uh, San Antonio was forcing them to 17, 18 turnover. That, that's where it's going to boil down to. And you don't change those one, two, three, four games. That's the overtime. Hey, we have to talk more. We have to rotate more. Uh, we got to have bigger, bigger chemistry, better chemistry. And where's our, who's the leader? Chris Paul's in Golden State. He's the mouth. He was the mouth for years to say, you know, you this, that, and the other. I, I'm not in that locker room. I, I, I don't know. Uh, Devin Booker good enough, but personality-wise, I know Kevin and him are not mouthy guys. They're not going to say, hey, what what the FF farm flim fump are we doing here? Let's get this together. Uh, they're not finger pointers. Um, they're they're not, uh, you know, calling guys out, guys. They're, so this is, in my eyes, this is a panic mode because of how good and, and tough the Western Conference is and how hard it's going to be once everybody gets there stuff together now you're still western conference teams not with their stuff together but dana to answer your question on you patrick i i don't think it's a lineup thing it's a mentality of everybody uh you know and look at the look at the the, the newness of this the, the the celebration of a new owner you know they added two more uh uniforms uh you know uh, diamondbacks go to the world series you know Arizona is buzzing right now. We could pick the Cardinals up a little bit, just a little bit to get it going. But other than that, Arizona play in tune, is buzzing people, play right in tune on Sunday. That's what I'm saying. So <laughs> Arizona is buzzing right now. And now they, you know, they're talking championships with the Suns. It just doesn't seem the desire. Uh, it seems like they're a month behind. Like they're just about to start training camp. Like we played when I was, when I was playing. Yeah, said I think uh, I, I respect your position. I definitely agree with the uh, fact of how difficult the West is. And yeah, every game you lose and you look at games that, you know, like the Lakers that we're about to play, you know, here next week on Friday for part of that uh, in-season tournament, uh, they're getting these tough wins right at the end that we're not getting. Uh, and we, meaning the Suns as well. And so, yeah, I think... Um, it, not at all what any of us expected, probably anybody on the planet of, if you look at our record at this point, this many games in where we're at. However, this is where we're at. And so how do we make those adjustments, uh, focus on a few things? Dana, no, I don't think, I think we all agree that we need more out of Nurkic. I don't think, uh, I'm with said with the mental side and and what does that do if you do, you know, make a change to the starting lineup with him and and put uh, Eubanks in. I think he, he needs just, to continue to be pushed. He needs to be challenged. He needs to be held accountable and, and he needs to be better. And he knows that. And I think that will continue to be the case. And I think Frank Vogel, um, hopefully, and the staff will do a great job of helping mentor him through that. And that's not the only issue as, as we talked about the turnovers, outrageous, missing free throws, missing, you know, point bank layups. There, there's a, a number of things that if you focus on a couple of those and fix the turnovers are my biggest concern because we don't have that solid point guard that everyone has talked about in, in the Suns. And so when Book is back and, you know, and we are healthy or getting healthier and then we have Beal back, are, are those, th those may come down a little bit, but are they still going to be a major issue? Uh, and if so, that that's costly when you're talking about, you know, close games that, you know, a lot of these, these matchups will be at times. And that's going to be the difference between, are you the, three, four, five, six, seven, eight seed with a couple of these games you may lose because of those turnovers or missed free throws or um, not out-rebounding your opponent. And so definitely and on a back-to-back -back right now, right? So flying uh, from Philly to Detroit and, you know, going again. So hopefully Book is going to be able to go. Uh, but then, you know, it 
where is he at with his health? He comes back and goes off in the one game he's there. And, and we still, you know, don't get the victory. And, and you have two of the quote big three playing. Uh, there's definitely, there's definitely work to be done. I think it's more so with the others. And what does that look like? Especially when you only have one of the quote big three on the floor. Yeah. I understand with Nurkic being paid 16 million coming from Portland that you have to start him. You know, that's just how it is. And I, I'm not, taking away from his abilities as a player. But at the same time, as I'm looking at the trend, he didn't play the fourth quarter at all on, you know, Thursday against Wimbanyama, right? Your starter didn't play. Eubanks was in, all right? And I asked Greg Popovich about that on Thursday after the game, and and, and Popovich asked me, you know, what, what happened to, to Nurkis? What happened to him? I was I, – I threw my hands up. I don't know. He's just like, really? Like, was he – well, there's something that happened. Like I was like, he said maybe they just decided to go small, and we all do that because you know coaches all do that to basically to do what they can to be effective and win. And doesn't mean it didn't work, you know, just because the Suns lost. That that was what he told me. But I, I think it was just the fact that Eubanks was just trending upward and coming off the bench is a better spark. And uh, but at the same time, I'm I'm not trying to wave the flag like I'm pro Eubanks over over Nurkic. I'm just trying to figure out the changes that might be necessary. As for having the the sons be you know disjointed as they are I, I i'm not trying to panic and say that this is going to be the brooklyn nets all over again uh with kevin durant playing most of the games out of the two uh you know the the, the uh big three that they had with harden and, and irving but i am saying that there is a, a, a cause for concern when you're looking at two and four at the bottom of the western conference through the first six games and you know, that you can't play catch up for too long in this Western Conference. I'd rather go through this in January with a, a short lull like the Suns did last year than to have this at the start of the season and playing catch up. I know that the Miami Heat in their first season together with the Heatles team, Bosch, LeBron, and Dwayne Wade, they started 10 and 10. They were considering uh, if Spolster is the right guy, <laughs> which is crazy to say, but that's true. And so, that happens with super teams sometimes. You know, super teams tend to either gel really quickly or they kind of just go through this kind of dark period and then they figure it out or they just fall apart really fast. So uh, I'd like to switch to the in-season tournament. Now, the Suns have the El Valle logo and the everything that's on the courts. What do you think of these crazy-looking courts? I mean, my man Russ Benson, he had a funny joke last night that the Bulls are playing on a – uh, MF and backgammon table. So <laughs> shout out to my man, Russ Benson, who used to be the editor-in-chief of Slam Magazine for that. Uh, but yeah, it's, they just look weird. And uh, is the NBA selling this in-season tournament good enough for us to understand what it's about? Go ahead, Seth. Yeah, I, I, I saw the floor on social media and I thought it was, um, you know, somebody was, goofing around with the floor and I just was like this, this must be a video game somebody's doing right uh but that's I, I like it I, I like it I like the commercials that they're running uh sort of quote-unquote mafia type of Las Vegas <laughs> you know sneaking the trophy through with Draymond and and, and uh, Kawhi and everybody else I think that's really nice I think they're selling it great um uh, I don't know how it's going to end up it's, I don't know where they're going with it and how much it means. Uh, it seems like the WNBA uh, really gets a, 
a lot of praise and, and their, their players go really hard for their midseason tournament. Um, um, but I, I, I do like, I do enjoy the floors. I, I, I'm curious to see, I don't know if they even reveal, do we have a floor? Yeah, they have a vinyl yeah. floor. Yeah, the, the, yeah they're going to have a floor, so it's going to be interesting yeah. to see. It's all purple, that. said all purple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I like it. I like it. I've always liked it. Uh, uh, you know, um, you know, you, you first get a glimpse of this in football with Boise State. Yep. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It looked like <laughs> the Boise State field. That's right. That's right. No, but, or, you know, and you Oregon. They're going, what is wrong with my color on this? You start slapping the TV, like, what's going on? But yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's fun. It's, it's uh, entertaining. It's different. It does look like back in the day when you adjusted the color on the TV, like with the dial on the side. It, it, you know, I, I definitely feel your contrast and tint. Yeah, yeah, like that old school UHF, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, I enjoy the courts too. I think they remind me of Oregon. Uh, so basketball, I was going to say for football, Boise State, right, but if you Oregon. look at Oregon's, how when you're watching on TV, especially, um, it just has that effect and that look. I think it's fresh, it's different, it's unique, which is important, right? Because uh, you have alternative courts, you know, every year. But for for this to really do it up, and I, I think to your question, the NBA is doing a phenomenal job already uh, with the marketing, the how they're tying everything to it. Obviously, the incentives of players and coaches, they added the coaches incentive too financially. So there is definitely... I don't, I don't care who you are as an athlete and what your income is and your salary. You, you want to win that. Um, and, and you have to play the games anyway. So uh, why not add that excitement at the beginning that gets fans hopefully uh, much more into it and excited to see them competing at a higher level where, you know, traditionally some may say that wasn't always the case because there's so many games. Um, we're talking about the Suns not competing or getting wins rather, excuse me, uh, this early in the season and we're here, right? They, the, that tournament started yesterday and so now it's we're, we're talking about double now they have this tournament that they're about to have games uh that are going to count for that plus obviously their full regular season record that's crucial for seating so i think um kind of a double whammy and a double of sense of importance for the suns coming up uh, as they play their pool games in this in-season tournament yeah, I, I look at the Oregon court as an epileptic nightmare, to be honest. I, mean, I always have. It's just, <laughs> you look at that yellow, and it's just, like, bright, and you just look like you could possibly, like, you know, no, shout out to anybody with epilepsy. I, I don't want to make fun of y'all, but for real, like, I, I never really looked at that. I, I just thought it was always crazy because Nike has the money that they, Phil Knight, you know, the CEO, and, you know, they, it's based in Oregon, and they fund what a lot what, of the Oregon facilities there. And so I could see why they did that. And so the NFBA's, uh, the, those courts for the in-season tournament, they definitely look festive. I do look at tomorrow's game, uh, Sunday, uh, specifically against the Detroit Pistons as a primer for the in-season tournament to rev up for their first um, game against the Lakers on, uh, on or the second game against the Lakers on Friday um again on November 10th uh I, I definitely see where Detroit will want to stick it to the Suns being that Monty they're going to want to play for Monty and get that win over uh his former team and get that win for Monty uh but I I dial back to uh definitely wanting to get those two wins against Detroit and get a win streak started against uh Chicago as well on Wednesday uh, to complete this road trip, winning two of the three before coming back home against LA, which is on ESPN on Friday. Uh, to dial back to Wimbayama, 
38 points and he scored uh, 10 of them in the final quarter and the dude was just on fire. I mean, he did it all. What's your takeaway about Victor Wambayama and is this Christmas early for Suns fans and NBA fans seeing the number one overall draft pick do what he did against the Suns? Yeah, um, you know, it's funny. Um, I went to a Dallas Wings game <laughs> um, last year or a year before. I can't remember. And Victor comes and sit next next to me. And I go, man, you know, I, I, I did to him what I cannot stand when people do to me. Do you play basketball? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and he was really humble. He was just like, uh, just a little bit. And I, was like, and I heard the accent. I said, oh, I'm sorry. You're not from here. He's like, yeah, I'm from France, and and uh, he's like, yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to get on the team, you know. And I'm thinking because it's baby face. I'm thinking he's thinking college. I was like, man, well, stick with it because you definitely could be in the NBA someday. And he just was like, oh man, that would be pretty cool. When was this? This was a, a couple years before before he got into uh, uh, the G League or whatever that league he was in. Uh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like I said, I I I've heard of him, but never saw him. Yeah. I've heard of this unusually tall movable object that that's fluent and can shoot but I didn't I didn't think he would be in Dallas I knew he was overseas yeah I didn't think he would be in Dallas in the summertime and um and, and I, I you know I, I didn't get it I, I, I marked on those count those dates when he was coming to Phoenix but unfortunately couldn't make Thursday and then um you know Halloween night still kids in the house so we had to do that thing but uh, just, I just wanted to congratulate him and just like, hey man, you remember him sitting next to me and I'm asking you to play basketball, but he's great. Uh, I mean, he just, the things that he's doing, uh, oh man, it's, his size, uh, being under control. Um, I know Popovich is going to rein him back a little bit. He flexed on a couple of people. That's not the David Robinson, Tim Duncan way, but, uh, <laughs> you know, eventually he'll get into that and understand that he, you you gonna you gonna dunk on millions and millions of other people, so there's no need to even get people on your bad side. Because I don't think anybody, you know, wanted to take Tim Duncan's head off. As great as he was, he was the nicest <laughs> assassin that you can ever have, and I think that's a great way to to to, to go about uh, the way he plays and keep him off the injured list from people trying to take him out or take his his legs from underneath him and. Uh, but he's having a blast. Uh, it was fun to watch him play on television. I can't wait to see him up close and personal. Patrick, I don't know if you went to the game or not, and 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 you can probably describe him being out there towering over Kevin Durant more than than I can because I haven't seen him play personally. Yeah, I said yeah, I was at both games, and yeah, I got actually one of my photos was the one that Kevin Durant got at the end of the quarter to hit it over uh, when. Yama on Tuesday so that was a it was a great shot too so uh check that one out but he he is talented and as young as he is and uh, as fresh as he is to the NBA as you know you played there we didn't you it's just a whole different beast from anywhere else in the world in any other organization so as he continues to learn that and has obviously a legend in, in Popovich to guide that uh I think he's going to be amazingly talented more so than he already is 
Um, you know, I was a little disappointed on Thursday that we didn't get a little more physical with him um, and and make sure we kind of check that into place, if you will. There, there's stuff that you just there's there was nothing we could do, uh, and no any team won't be able to do once once he gets into that mindset. It's almost like when we played Giannis in Game Six of the NBA Finals, and he was just in in beast mode. Like you, there's only so many things you can do, and so when you're defending him, and he's just has the length over you, and he's just you know however many feet taller than whoever is defending him, they they did a really good job Thursday making the adjustments to get the pick and roll mismatches and then just feeding the post continually. Um, and and obviously he was able to execute with that. There were some really tough angles too. And, and as you said, he's, he's able to finish already. And yes, he is talented. He, he is going to be good for a very long time. I hope he stays healthy. He was amazing to watch. Like I said, I was disappointed from the Suns perspective. We didn't do a little more to get a little bit physical and kind of, you know, check that in motion as much as we could but you only can do so much and and we battled all the way back in that game we being the sons and um you know he just took over and showed what he is going to be and is already down the stretch and and we haven't seen that yet from him and again it's only a few games into the season in his career but um yeah you you definitely have to take some time maybe get out to san antonio when we play there um since you weren't able to be here for the two here yeah and also as you said patrick you know, not being physical with him. I, I even seen a couple of plays where Devin was guarding him on the post and it wasn't an immediate double. Like, that's what I mean about it doesn't matter the personnel that, that the problems that their sons are having. It's like, wait, this guy is a 700 against Devin Booker. That's the automatic on the post double. Like, you have to leave. That's emergency. 911. Go help, you know, resuscitation mode. <laughs> yeah, Let's yeah. And help Devin. I mean, it, it, Devin did a good job by holding him off, and but he's nothing he can do as soon as he turns around. It's just like playing Papa shot. Right. You know, the thing about the Suns is that they are the team that basically when Biyama emerged as a superstar early. And there are certain teams that players emerge as superstars or stars in general. And so with – the the Steph Curry was the Knicks, you know, back in 2011, you know, or 2012 season. And with the Dwayne Wade as a rookie, it was against the New Orleans Hornets in the playoffs, if I remember correctly. You know, when he came down the lane and had the dunk and he just took over and, you know, he was just amazing from there. Um, and then led his team to the title the following year when they got Shaq. Um, or, uh, and, and then, or they already had Shaq that year. But then, uh, actually, I'm sorry, Dwayne Wade back in 2004 against the Hornets, I should say, New Orleans Hornets. And then there was the, uh, there's, there's LeBron was first game against the Sacramento Kings about 20 years ago. And so th this is where Wombiyama is, you know, against the Suns. And I feel like that's going to be the trivia question, you know, which team did Wombiyama emerge to have his breakout game? And that's going to be Phoenix. And it gets, it's against you know, Kevin Durant, you know, who he's widely compared to for his height. And so there's just some times where, you put this, uh, he's like the plastic man. Stacey Augman was named plastic man back in UNLV, right? But this is this generation's literal plastic man cartoon come to life. All he has to do is stretch out his arm and it's like, and you can't stop him no matter how many bodies you put on him because you just throw it up, he'll just tap it in. That's all he was doing was just literally tapping the ball in behind his head and, and getting and ones and he, he's just too tall he shoots down at the rim like you're shooting a piece of paper at a waste paper basket all right you know like this because he's so tall when he shoots from three he's shooting down at it i mean i saw the still shot that he had from the top of the key and it's he, his head and, and 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 shoulders are right at the rim from that far away so it's amazing before we go 
we got about five minutes left. Let's take us time to put a memoriam uh, for Walter Davis and Bobby Knight. Walter Davis passed away on Thursday in Charlotte, visiting family. He's a North Carolina native and the Suns' all-time leading scorer. Uh, he finished with 15,666 points. Devin Booker's at a, a fourth. He'll probably break that. And so, but shout out to Walter Davis, Sweet D, a.k.a. the Greyhound, one of the best to ever do it. Bob Knight, legendary Indiana coach. And I saw Calvert Chaney and Mike Woodson give their uh, own tributes to him at the Indiana press conference on Thursday. And so what are your takeaways with having these guys coming up in, in, in your basketball development uh, over the years? Uh, well, me as a, a, a California kid, one, uh, you, you feared Bobby Knight <laughs> as, as a, you know, when he was coaching uh, just the aggressiveness of him. But then I, I got that opportunity to be a ball boy for the 84 Olympics and Bobby uh, coach Knight, excuse me, and Joe Klein were the only ones who remember me as a ball boy. Michael Jordan, uh, Leon Wood, um, Wayman Tisdale. Nobody else remembered me as a ball boy. But I thought that was kind of special. And, he and, and you know, like I said, I feared him. And then be able to meet him and be a ball boy for, for the Olympics in 84, uh, having to – him goof around with you was just – you know that you know when he's when he's down the business he's down the business but him goofing around when we just they're just shooting around or we're in the locker room which was pretty cool um and then obviously you know Walter Davis was my OG um you know coming in as Phoenix uh drafted by Phoenix I think our first game was against Denver and he was in Denver uh I went bananas on that game but the fact of the matter is when I was going bananas he was teaching me things that, the doing and I I was just with him at Jerry Colangelo's brunch uh, a couple weeks ago and uh, it's just tough man both of those gentlemen are going to go down as history as putting a great mark on, on this great game that we call basketball yeah I said uh, it's always great to listen to your stories uh, and your experience uh, it gives a whole different perspective right of what like me as a fan what I see uh, very different than than what you get, which is more of of the real um, kind of unedited version. So uh, appreciate you sharing. But yeah, from a coaching perspective, obviously for me, um, you know, taking a lot from Coach Knight, my style is very different in terms of of on the court, but in terms of X's and O's execution, getting players to respond to you. You know, I, I don't know who in in the world of basketball you know doesn't relate and learn from uh, someone like him. And then obviously as a Suns fan, uh, the impact you know Walter Davis had and uh, continues to have and even the the Suns fan base just being able to have memories and talk about him with more so like uh, generations right and and it that's evolved and the generation now never having really seen him play but watching highlights or things back and so um obviously both will, will definitely be missed and specifically you know from our son's family um really heavy week overall losing some you know key people to this sport of basketball yeah, Walter Davis. Okay, what did you say? Sir? My mom. My mom uh, was a Suns fan when I grew up. She couldn't stand the Lakers. Kareem. She, I, I told Kareem that many times. But uh, the reason was she, she was a Suns fan was two reasons: Dennis Johnson, uh, and also uh, Walter Davis. Uh, she was huge fans of those two, and um, that's you know it's just ironic me getting drafted by that. Sorry about that, Dana. Yeah, no doubt. Um, the, the, those early '80s Suns teams with. Uh, Alvin Adams and Chuck Robinson and, you know, Dennis Johnson before he got traded to the, the Boston Celtics and 
with Walter Davis. I remember Jamal Silk Wilkes told me last year at the Jerry Colangelo Golf Classic that you know those Suns teams were tough. They always gave them a, a a tough run in the playoffs, and they went to seven straight playoffs from '77 all the way to '84 before things fell apart with you know the drug scandal and you know things a, a couple of years later. And Walt tried to leave the team because. Uh, in the free agency uh, just to kind of get a fresh start in Denver. So I, I definitely, definitely always looked at him as someone as a, a, a true beacon of, of how to shoot and how to play the game fast. And, you know, North Carolina fan that I am, I'm always going to look to the greats. And so I, I definitely, definitely am appreciative to cover this team and, you know, because of the legacy that Walter Davis gave. As for Bobby Knight, I grew up as an Indiana fan uh, all the way through the Neil Reed thing in 1997. Uh, I remember when Neil Reed had that great game in 95. I was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and I was a proud Indiana fan. And then, uh, obviously, Knight pretty much had tarnished his legacy with the you know, player abuse. But this was back in the 90s when there was no term as player abuse. So, you know, <laughs> it's totally different back then. And I totally can attest to that as somebody who had coaches like that. But Bobby Knight did a lot for the college basketball and the game in general. And, you know, the general, as they called him. Is Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.